welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren <laughs> and Daniel. Hey. Uh, okay. Same. <laughs> Same. Uh, in case it wasn't obvious, today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 14, which is titled All in the Family. The episode aired on February 17th in the year 2000. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Oh, you started me off with a real upper for this episode, Lizzie. Charles M. Schultz, famous for creating and producing the popular newspaper comic Peanuts, dies at age 77 of colon cancer. The final original Peanuts comic, Peanuts comic, let me try that again because that sounded (laughs) too much like penis. The The final original Peanuts comic was published in newspapers the day after his death. Scream 3 manages to hold on to the box office crown, beating new releases The Beach and the first movie Lizzie ever bought with her own money on DVD, Snow Day. Hell yeah. I fucking love that movie. I had it on the orange VHS. I'm pretty sure I saw that movie in theaters now that I think about it. I did too, and I and I loved it. I so, did not. Little, what, 2000? Mm-hmm. Early 2000, I would be 11. Yeah, 11. Yeah. Yeah, little 11-year-old me was like, I have to own this. It was so good. But I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden is the number one song for its third and final week. Can we have a legendary second snow day? Yes, I'll <laughs> okay. allow it. Oh boy. What else was on this evening at... Uh, Who cares? <laughs> well, gotta have something to distract you from the pain. Uh, at 8 p.m., uh, a two-part episode of Friends. Uh, two-parters were apparently uh, something in the water this week. Uh, Friends with the two-part episode, The One That Could Have Been, parts one and two. Uh, at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Something About Dr. Mary. And at 9.30, a Frasier rerun. Uh, this week's episode had a astounding 39.3 million viewers tuning in. If you're keeping score at home, that is a solid 6 or 7 million jump from last week over the 2 to 3 million jump we've had from the regular episode numbers from before this two-parter started. So we're up a full 10, 11 million from uh, where we were pre-Be Still My Heart. Can I tell you what kills me with these numbers? Is I'm just remembering peak Game of Thrones, like 12 million. Oh, yeah. Was like 12 or 14 million was like what it crested at, mm-hmm. I think, at like its absolute peak. And so we're here in these and these are like kind of like the, the middling rookie numbers are like for good episodes at this point. And so I'm just like, wow. The loss and gain of episodes each week is almost a full Game of Thrones viewership. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you how much our our habits have changed as a, a society and the way we consume things. The monoculture has definitely been diluted. Um, but yeah, 39.3 million of our closest friends tuning in uh, for a dose of sadness this week. Uh, directed by uh, Jonathan Kaplan doing his 11th out of 40 previous ones from this season of his included Humpty Dumpty and Leave it to Weaver. And written by Jack Orman, doing his 10th out of 28. And previous ones of his from this season include Great Expectations and Last Rites. Uh, And this episode won, as you might imagine, an Emmy for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing and was nominated for Sound Editing, Sound Mixing, and Jonathan Kaplan was uh, nominated for Direction um, for an Emmy as well. 
And I would like to apologize before we get into the episode. There is a lot of audio clips, <laughs> as you would expect. Oh, this is a goddamn listening party, this everybody. Is, being the highest rated sh- episode of the entire series on IMDb, <laughs> there's a lo- obviously a lot of great stuff in here. So I and that we couldn't do justice just by describing. Oh yeah, Carter says to yeah. Benton in this certain in this certain way we're no i'm not gonna we're not gonna do impressions and, we're just gonna let you listen to it and lizzie also wanted to spare my tiny little fingers from bleeding trying to capture all the stuff in the traumas and this is also the highest rated episode in our march madness tournament where it obliterated yes. obliterate they believe the final margin of er, margin of uh, victory was 59 to 41 over on the beach uh, that's not an obliteration. That's a solid. Pretty, vic- a that's a solid. An obliteration victory. would be like seventy-five, twenty-five. Uh, or something it was. Like it that. was more of a blowout than I thought it was going to be. I, when when I saw those two episodes were the final two, I was fully expecting like a because we'd had a we had a, a couple of uh, those matchups like in the first round that were decided by like a handful of votes, like five or less. So I was expecting something like that where it was going to be like fifty-one fifty or uh, you know fifty-one forty-nine or. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. But to see all in the family just run away with it and never really be threatened was kind of surprising. I was not expecting that to be the case. But this certainly kind of deserves it, I think. <laughs> like, this is, it's a yeah. very painful episode, but holy shit, is it good. <sighs> Lauren, take us in. We open up with Carrie coming into work for the day. This is about to be a total normal one for everyone involved. She's she was- walking in from the trauma room. Uh, that we found her in last. It's gonna say last she's, week. She's coming back in in her actual scrubs, her jacket, her uh, yeah, just fuck, never it can't that. Um, but she is not thrilled about the party music because of course we gotta do stick in the mud, carry. She's gotta bring everybody down because hey, what if somebody needs help? You can't a patient can't ding for help if this music's too loud. It's disruptive. Um, we have the nurses all gossiping about Malik's manicure. He's like, what? Hands are the first place they look. Ladies like ladies like clean hands, and you know, and I I think Lydia says, for me, it's the uh-huh. butt. <laughs> yeah, Every, everyone's favorite I love thirst her trap so much. Yep, but um, and then they start explaining like, oh, you know what that means, and Luke is like, no, what does it mean? <laughs> oh God. Carol's like, nope, we're not going there. Just nope, it's not true. We're not even having that discussion. Um, so good little good little admit desk levity to start the episode because we are not going to laugh or smile at all for the next 45 minutes. Um, Luca then gives Carrie a rundown of the board, saying that it's slow and everything's good. There hasn't really been much going on. Um, Abby's on the phone in the lounge about a payment that didn't clear, and Carrie overhears this. So, hmm, I wonder what that's going to set up for Abby eventually. Hmm. <laughs> That'll totally not be a recurring. No. No. No, it's fine. But then we find out Carol is headed home for 12 hours between shifts to spend some time with her girls, so we will not see much of Carol for this episode, theoretically. And Luca hands off a patient to Carrie, and um, she hears that one of Carter's patients is still waiting to be seen. Just like, oh, he should have had that taken care of. Has anybody seen him? No, not in a while. Uh, We see Pablo is back. Uh, um, So that's really exciting. He's says he went on a bus, a big green bus, and they dropped him off, and he made his way back. It was very hot. <laughs> yes, and um, Carrie walks down the hall with him in L.A. while she goes to check on another patient. Mm. It has been a while since we have seen Pablo. Uh, so long, in fact, that the last time we saw him, uh, 
Anna Delamico had a major role in the episode. That's how long ago it has been since we have seen Pablo. Last time we saw him was May of 98 in Suffer the Little Children, uh, which was late season four. So, ooh, been a minute for Pablo. Uh, then we have the psych attending comes down to finally evaluate Paul Sabricki, and Carrie tells him to check the board because she hasn't seen Paul yet, so she's not quite sure where he is. Um, Carrie goes over to examine Mr. Morris in the hallway, uh, went, goes to evaluate his x-ray, but the light, the x-ray light board in the hallway is busted, so she needs to go into the exam room to use that one and notices a bloody footprint on the floor. She opens the door and screams which is a perfect like freeze frame of of Laura Inez's look of horror. She does this so well. And then we are in with bangs. We we know what she sees, but we don't know how bad it is now. I know this is my one honest to god nitpick with this episode. If you're so slow, no one's waiting to be seen. Why is this dude in the hallway? Oh, you oh the um the Cupid the, guy. The Cupid yeah. guy. Why is he that's in the That's a good point. Hallway? I didn't think about that. That is a very that good point. That is a very good point. So one thing that's always bugged me about this episode maybe, is the only thing that's ever bugged me about this episode. Maybe when he was brought in, it was a little busier. That's the only thing I could think of. But also, you're completely right. Uh, so like I said, we are in with some bangs, and then we go over to the piano bar, where Mark and Lizzie are singing a rendition of Piano Man, <laughs> and they, while they are singing, it's very cute. Um, Mark is pantomiming, trying to give... Le- Lizzie heads up on the next lyric and it's very adorable but uh Lizzie's pager goes off first and then Mark's quickly follows and it's not good and I also want to note both their parents are like man they suck <laughs> that, yeah no the parents are actually a very welcome distraction from the events of this episode like especially early on they're just a, a nice breath of fresh air and uh somebody is going to bring it up when we get to the listener responses but of course they do get some of the lyrics to Piano Man wrong which I, I heard about that and I listened to it and I can't figure out what the f- what the fuck is wrong with it, which shames me because when I sing along to Piano Man, I get it right. So I don't know where I'm um, at. I mean, fart here I, that I didn't. He catch. does like, and it's really it's Mark really who gets him get messes yeah. him up. But um, I think this is just me again drifting off into headcanon land. I my opinion is because when he starts to get the words wrong, it's when he's getting the page and when he's trying to figure out what it's about. Uh, I think he's just distracted. So I think there's a canonical yeah. reason for why he might flub the line and, and get the, the words wrong to the song. That's just my opinion. I'm not a like Billy Joel super fan, like the person who's in our listener responses that we will hear from later on. But uh, there was, I felt like it was something that was worth mentioning because it was something that it has been brought up to us before as like a, a bang the table problem with this episode. Yeah. And this is the most exposure I've had to that song ever. <gasps> Elizabeth. I'm just not a Billy Joel, Billy Joel kind of gal. I'm sorry, guys. We got to stop recording. Uh, I'm ending our engagement <laughs> and we're done. So y'all can finish. All right, without nice me. knowing you. We're ending. We're going out on top. That's the end of this episode. All right. uh, oh God, I wish. All right. So I do apologize for the onslaught of, clips here but whole but again there's no way we could do this justice just by talking just by talking vaguely about it like we do with normal traumas so let's kick it off trauma part one surgery's on its way Pulse trauma is weak. panel spinner crit right away what time that's it on the right no i can't stay all oh, night okay hooray can still be running around here just get him here every cop in the city knows where we are john john can you hear me airway looks clear john open your eyes 
No response to command. Glasgow coma scale seven. How long do you think they were lying there? Long enough to lose a couple of liters. I can't believe nobody saw anything. Let's talk about it later. One, two, three. Push your terminating sucks now. Stab wounds to the left neck and chest. Oh, man, a two more to the belly. Right and left upper quad. Number eight, ET tube. What's your repeat? Hold on. Fossox is low, 82. That's why I'm tubing her. Get me a blood pressure. Chest tube tray. No, start a central line. BP is 90 over 50. You four units of O'Neg hang two on the rapid infuser. Give me some cricoid pressure. You okay, Chief? I got it. Okay, start the central line now. Got it on the sterile drip. People are having parties while these two are in there bleeding to death. Stab wounds to the left flank. First one is at L2, four centimeters off the midline. The second one is L5 in the midscapular line. You hit the spinal cord. Depends on the angle. AP is 70 over 50, pulse 120. Squeeze in two liters and set me up for a subclavian. Good breath sounds bilaterally. Pulse ox 93. Should we intubate? No. Tell me the mask for now. Send a trauma panel, type in cross for four, and get x ray in here for a chest. And one shot IBP. I was just talking to him. Okay, so I want to start off by saying I love how Carrie asks, like, how did nobody notice this? And Luca immediately deflects and goes, we'll talk about it later. Because mm -hmm. he knows he fucked up. I I mean, it's it's a comedy of errors. It's not just Luca's fault. Yeah. But And, and the, like, the, the, the rotating I, carousel between Carrie, Mark, and Luca over the first half of the episode mm -hmm. is a, a very strong aspect of all this. I mean, and there's just so much about this that is good. Like, mm -hmm. like, also, sorry, one more. Laura Inez's beautiful trauma voice. Yes. Like, Carrie has such a specific voice she uses in traumas, and it is so good and authoritative and perfect. And which, yeah, like, it's like she's pushing out the last little bit of air when she's giving some of these directions because, you know, again, in, in, in show canon, like, she's just walked in the door five minutes ago. Like, she's, like, it's just... I don't know. Everything about this is so good. And, and the score. So like, keep in mind too, like we, so we have the first, you know, what, two minutes or so with Carrie walking around before she makes the discovery. Then we have the intro and then this. So the, the episode is barely five minutes old at this point, And you've already got um, this. You're just thrust right into this chaos. And the score sort of reflects that during this initial trauma and i'm not sure if it's going to be stopped before we get to the next uh clip or not but i'll talk about it here anyway like as soon as that initial trauma is over with and they've done the like okay we found them let's fix what the immediate problems are and get them up to the or as soon as that whole stuff is done the score comes to an abrupt halt and they just let you and not that to say that there's no more score for the rest of the episode, but they pick their spots really well for the rest of the time. They're really just letting you deal with the silence and letting you deal with the crushing weight of what is happening and what has happened. And it's just really, really good. And just everybody is on their A game here. Like everyone, all the actors are just bringing it to 100 percent here. Um, and one of the little touches that I love, too, is Carrie. um her hands are shaking when she goes to do the tube mm -hmm. like and even Malucci catches it and he's like or he's like yeah. you okay, chief and and like she she collects herself at the end she's still able to do it but just showing that even this is shaking somebody like weaver who doesn't get shaken by these by stuff mm -hmm. um lydia fucking lydia fucking ellen crawford again with 
not not even remotely the focus of the scene but still pulling a, a face and still making a making a moment for herself where they're bringing them into the trauma room and they're going through you know how did this happen how long have they been down all this other stuff and you see that like not only does she have a tear but she looks like she's been bawling for hours like she's got tear her eyes are red that her face is soaked in tears like she's i miss lydia is sobbing in this scene and it's just such a testament to ellen crawford that like there's no such thing as a small part like just because you're not the focus of the Mm -hmm. scene doesn't mean that you can't add something that adds this whole other layer of trauma to it see where i felt that exact same way except about Mm malucci and just his tone of his voice just look at yeah like just like him processing in real time as he's discovering more stab wounds on Lucy. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Just holy Malucci, shit. honestly, this whole episode really adds a whole lot to it that I didn't fully appreciate on first watch. I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm like the, the stuff a little bit later on with the sternal saw, like he just adds a little bit extra to that, that you, you wouldn't necessarily think needed to be there, but it really does add to it. So it's just really surprising. Oh, five minutes in. We're five minutes into the fucking episode, and we're already yep. doing this. Um, so yeah, so we see uh, we didn't see Connie taking the cops into the exam room. Uh, the psych attending, uh, Doctor Durad, uh, who we've seen before on Lucy's psych rotation, he comes over, says uh, that he was there to uh, do his consult on Sabricky, but he never got to see him. Um, so they're not even sure what he looks like. Everybody who's treated Sabriki is now in the trauma room injured. Nobody else has actually worked except Malik. Or, except Malik. Or, yeah, I was going to say, or Mark. He's on his way back. But Mark did see him because they broke up that right. fight. For a brief split second. But yes, I'm just you're saying, right. like, the only other yeah. person. Uh, so the uh, they can't find the chart. Um, and so the cop, uh, they assume it's in the room. So the cop goes in to grab it and declares the whole thing now a crime scene. Dun dun. I mean, he's not. He's wrong. not wrong. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> I do. I do sort of love how anyway. he's like nobody else is allowed to go in here. Uh, this is now a crime scene, as if a cop has never screwed up a crime scene before. Yeah, by like not even barely even looking where he's going. Right. Like, like you see his flashlight. It's, it's nowhere near the blood. I know. So. I, I do sort of think that's funny. That how like, yes, it's a crime scene. Don't disturb anything. Yada yada yada. All that good stuff. Unless there's blood on the light switch, can we at least turn the fucking lights on? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It seems like it's you're running more of a risk of stepping into some evidence if you don't turn the lights on. But that's just me. I'm not a cop. There might be fingerprints on the switch. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know how forensic evidence works. I took one course in high school. It was really cool. But yeah. You know, it's not really cool. Trauma Part 2, Peter Benton edition. <laughs> Hey, hey, it's okay, he's a doctor. Civilians in, run into units. Let's try the 31. Is he conscious? Hypertensive. Is he conscious? No, but he's responding to fluid resuscitation. It was some slight patient. Got Lucy too pretty bad. Roland, let me see. Oh, man. Pressure's up to 90, pal. Why wasn't he restrained? I don't know. Where's the falling? That's next. Fall shots is 83. Give it a minute. 10 blade. Dr. Weaver, the police are sealing off curtain three. They need to talk to anybody who took care of the patient right away. Handle it, Randy. Right, look at this. Look at this, Chief. Damn it. Damn it. Trachea laceration. It's a trike. No, she needs a trike. Get Benton in here. Prep the neck and open a Melker kit. Now, let's go. 
Several things about this. First off, the score. Because mm-hmm. when you because the when it opens that little opening music parts, you just see Benton running down the stair, literally just flying and running down the stairs, and then he runs into a cop accidentally. Mm-hmm. So of course the cop's like, What the fuck? Then Kai's like, No, 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 it's no, it's it's cool. Um just another part of this show that's seared into my brain is just him screaming, Is he conscious? Mm-hmm. Is he conscious? And also, I'd like to give another shout out to Malucci for his thing, for his acting in this in this part of the scene. Because oh, just God and Halle, yes. yeah, yeah. Halle is a really underrated part of. The, the, we didn't talk about that with the last clip, but her yelling at the guy on the phone, like to just, mm-hmm. yeah, like she, mm, so good. But just the way Malucci says, "Look at this chief. Look at yeah, yeah, the horror, just, yeah." And yeah, Hale is in full mama bear mode here where she's like, my, my, my babies have been stabbed. Mm. Like, you know, she, she's been with Carter since his first day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and even, even Randy's brief, you know, thing coming in with how she's so shaken and like, um, I didn't, I didn't mention it at the top, but, but before every, before they discover the two of them and everything, there's this brief little, uh, thing in the, when they're still in the party where you see, Malucci and Randy dancing together and I was like mm-hmm. why didn't we ever do that like why didn't we ever make that a thing for even a couple of episodes like we, if you had time for Mark and Junie you could have made time for Malucci and Randy like that that seems like that could have been a fun detour to take um, but that's besides the point the 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 big takeaway from this is of course Benton running down the mm-hmm. stairs which for my money is my favorite Carter Benton bromance moment in the whole show like that's my that's the mm-hmm. that's other you know other than what we are going to talk about later in this episode the the uh the thing uh this is this is the other moment that like almost always will get me over the edge like this is this is the one that it will break me every time because like it's just such a culmination of everything we've seen up to this point that whole relationship from the very first episode up until now and, and how they've grown and, and we we've charted almost every milestone along the way of the first time, the first time Benton puts any sort of the first time Benton recognizes Carter as a human being, the first time Benton realize recognizes him as, you know, a competent medical doctor or medical student. The first time Benton treats him as something of an equal, the first time, like we've, we've marked all of these milestone moments but we've ne- we still have never had that moment where Benton gave Carter what he was looking for, which was his like un um, unquestioned and um, unqualified approval. Like where there was just he loves this kid, and he's be- but because he's Benton and because he doesn't process his emotions well, he's never been able to tell him that he loves him, and it all kind of comes together in this insane moment where his life is at risk. And it's just, Oh, it just, it gets me every time. Also at this point, I would like to highlight the difference between how Luca is running 
Carter's trauma versus how Carrie is running uh, Lucy's trauma. Mm-hmm. Luca, I don't know if it's just because of the way, because of the way Luca just is, or if actor who I can never pronounce his oh, last name right. Try it, because I had to fuck up the first name before. <laughs> it's Goran. Right? Goran. Goran. Goran Vishnik. Goran Vish. Goran rhymes with Lauren. Goran. Goran rhymes with Lauren. Okay. <laughs> you would think, as much a fan of a show, I, as much of a fan of the show that I am, that I would know how do you pronounce that but anyway but i don't know if like it's just like the way that he is not capable of like doesn't seem to be if it's if it's i'm i'm messing this up entirely but i'm just wondering like if it's a thing of goran can't like doesn't shout very well Mm. or doesn't like have like that super expressive emotional thing that like Carrie and everyone else in that other side of that, I mean, it loses trauma does, or if it's just Luca is just like more like honed in, focused, yeah. and just like no, this is a thing. Let's get this done. I I tend to think of it more as the latter. He is usually a very, at least at work, I'll say that at least at work, he is usually a very um, focused, in the zone kind of straightforward person i wouldn't say calm necessarily but Mm -hmm. like he's very much a get shit done when it comes to traumas Mm -hmm. yeah when it's outside of work we know what that whole situation is but at least when it comes in trauma mode he is always very much all right a b c d let's do the best we can for this patient and i would also like and i would also just wonder put the question out in the ether i wonder if there was a conscious it was like a specific like for a reason that they had lucy and Malucci with, I mean, that didn't, they had Carrie and Malucci with Lucy mm-hmm. and Luca and Abby with Carter. Yeah, I think that's a fair question to ask. And I, and <laughs> as we've alluded to before, like most of the time, there's probably not a larger narrative reason for that. And we're just making something out of nothing. But I would like to think that at least, I don't know, it's hard to say because like, obviously, obviously they know um that lucy's story is going to end here and that carter is the story thread that they're going to carry beyond this episode um so maybe there is a conscious choice in that of like we're i don't know i i I sort of i I see what you're saying but i also sort of lean towards thinking maybe not i don't know it's it's really it's really hard to say one way or another whether they were thinking that deliberately about who would be working on which trauma f- so that they could serve future storylines because it's very easy for us to say now that well obviously we would want to see what happens between luca and carter and, and abby and like these are long-term characters whereas malucci is less long-term but they don't know that in season six in season six he's one of yeah. the Clooney replacements we're gonna invest a lot of time yeah, and energy exactly. into this guy he's got another season and a half yeah but so us. i mean they're not thinking in those terms at this point so i yeah i don't know it's that's a tough tough call to make yeah again it was well, i wasn't looking for a specific answer i was just putting sure. it putting sure. it out there either way uh let the trauma continue for both our hosts and the viewing audience are you working on one of the victims yeah i'm trying to is he gonna make it i don't know is he awake got it second unit is in got the tubing pressure's up to 100 systolic right pupil is five millimeters and reactive left is john john John? Damn. Look at me. 
Do you know where you are? My back. You were stabbed. We've got your pressure up. Lucy. John, I'm Officer Benini. Did you see the man that stabbed you? Do we need to do this right now? It's better if I can secure a statement. You'll have to wait. I'm sorry. What? Nothing. Looks like you missed your spinal cord. BP's 80 pal. Is that Lucy? Yes, she's alive. Dr. Kovac. What? What? What is it? Get Benson. He needs to go up now. Get ready to bat her. Dr. Benton, we need you. Look up the Thoris wheel. I've got breath sounds. Dr. Benton, here. Porter's got a bad renal lag. Fully out for his bite. What's up, Pulse Ops? Crash down the ADA. You got another surgeon coming. Go, go. Yeah, we're outside. I'll be right there. Yeah. Dad, wait for us inside. Register around the front of the building. I'm a surgeon. I have to get through. I have to see ID. We don't have time for this. And you have to move the vehicle. Oh. Oh, Dad. Okay, go ahead. Dad, I need you to move the van. Where do I park it? You're asking me? <laughs> Fucking David. I, I love him so much. Uh, so at the beginning of that clip, going back to the score thing. So one thing we forgot to mention when we were having our debate about future character storylines and everything was the, the discovery of the actual knife. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, uh, which takes yeah. place, proceeds, immediately proceeds that, that clip there. Um, which is, I mean, there's not like that much to talk about with it because it's sort of inevitable on our part that they're going to find the knife at some point. It's a big moment for Abby because it clearly kind of shakes her a little bit. And that leads us right into this, which going back to the score at the beginning of that clip, the whole time she's in the, uh, drug closet looking for whatever she's looking for. And the, the cop is asking her questions, no score at all because they're giving everybody it's it's Abby's opportunity to go in and uh, find this supply and but at the same time also kind of remove herself from the situation for a minute. But it's a same it's that same opportunity for us as the audience where we get a chance to breathe. We get a chance to catch our breath and try to process everything that we're all this information that we're getting all this trauma. And then as soon as she leaves the drug closet and starts heading back into the trauma room score kicks back in. And we're right back into the chaos. Like it's like it's like when you're you know you feel like you're drowning, and then you get your head above water, and you get to take a breath, and then you're right back down. Like it's just bleh, so good. Um, I can I can I note my pedantic piece of rage that Absolutely. comes up with that clip That's with Elizabeth. So when the cop asks for her ID, he doesn't have a list. She doesn't show her. Um, county general badge it is very clearly like a state id or you know like a driver's mm-hmm. license what the fuck is a driver's <laughs> license gonna do when he doesn't have a list to check it against it just says yes i'm a person there is no way that, that identifies her as staff of that hospital it is clearly um clearly um horizontal not vertical like their badges are and I'm just like, this This is the worst cop in the history of ever. This is not... What are you checking for? I mean, he's a member of the Chicago Police Department, We're, so that's yeah, pretty much a given. Yeah, yeah, but what are you checking for, sir? <laughs> what What? What was the benefit of that? Great, cool. And then I think he lets Mark in without anything. I don't think Mark flashes anything. I think he just runs yeah, in they, after. They cut, I think they cut away from it before you actually see. But, but so. yeah. I don't know. It's... That's it. That's... Forget the trauma. That's that's <laughs> That was Lauren's big takeaway. episode. Yep. <laughs> There's too much too much beeping and noise in the trauma. I can't zone in on anything, but, so I just focused on shit. But they outside. do also going to the beeping and the the stuff. They that, again, that was another example of what Martin was talking about when we talked to him. You know, so long ago was 
like yielding to the sound of the trauma because I think the sound of those monitors, especially the competing monitors between the two trauma rooms, the the mm-hmm. sort of like unevenness of the monitors because they're not in sync almost almost uh. makes it worse or almost does more for you than it would if you had this like big melodramatic score over the top of it. When you're just dealing with the these chaotic, harsh tones from these two things going back and forth, not in sync, that to me almost creates more sort of like dread and tension in my mind than than anything it's, that he could produce. See, and they blend, they just blend together for me. So it's like I don't even like notice. Like I just assume it's all just from one set of monitors mm-hmm. to my ear personally. But but then again, I, I maybe I have a trouble processing audio. Okay sometimes so like i have to watch everything with subtitles i have to unless it's like super loud like in the movie theater i can't really i have a much harder time parsing out like sounds and what they mean and what's going Mm -hmm. on there so like if something had popped up like two monitors two different monitors beeping i'd be like oh yeah of course but like oh like i just assume because they're very bad they're both very badly injured that that rap the monitors would just be beeping all over the fucking place another point too is that um, I, I sort of, I, I, and I felt bad about it after I said it because I like, I didn't, I feel like I maybe made it seem like he somehow detracted from the overall moment of like Noah Wiley in the last scene of the episode. Like if I have to pick anything to gripe about in that last episode, for me, it is his performance in that last moment of like, I think he maybe goes a little bit over the top. That's not that, that to me, but to me, that means he goes from like an A to an A minus. Like, it's not like he ruins mm-hmm. the scene or anything like that. Whereas, by contrast, I think in this moment here, he does a fantastic job. Like, I think in this particular yeah. scene and in this particular moment, I think he perfectly encapsulates and, and perfectly portrays sort of his like, uh, wounded animal confusion of like just sort of mm-hmm. the like disoriented and what's going on like he's semi-aware of what's happened but not really and like panicked and there's just so much emotion and he can only do so much because he's on this gurney and he's he's not allowed to move very much it's all the eyes it's all the eyes i can't move very much and i i will say when when they first have him wake up and they start doing the carter thing i thought they were gonna have him have a seizure for a second and i was like i'm not prepared for this yeah and then lizzie was like no he's just waking up and i was like oh thank god it's just the rude the rudest awakening of all time pain wakes him up and everything but i was like i can't i can't usually because nine times out of ten when they want to go for that big trauma excitement well they go for oh my god he's having a seizure they'll escalate so i was just like i was like nope but it makes zero zero. Right. It makes it means negative. It makes negative sense, especially since there was no head drama. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like that's where I was like, are they really? No, they're not. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, let's get these uh, let's get these kids up to the OR, shall we? Yes, please. I want you to stay awake, John. You stay awake until you get up there. You hear me? You want FFP? Yeah, two units. Come on, Carter. Stay with me, man. How is he? Stab wound with renal lacerations. Hypertensive. We're redlining him to the OR. Well, a patient did that? Yeah, they're still looking for him. What's his pressure? I've got it, Elizabeth. Carrie needs you. Go, go, Carter. Carter, look at me. Come on. Right there. Stay with me, man. Stay with me. Zero four and elastoplast. Bell is the standard, probably an interabdominal bleed. Why was the guy sedated? I don't know. Get out of some here. What was it? Was he on a hold? Was there a sitter with him? I don't know, Carrie. I never saw him. What? Where are we? Multiple stab wounds to the left neck and chest, right and left upper quadrant of the abdomen. We did a chest tube, central line, and had to trachea. How much blood loss? 404 seal, could have been another 2,000 before we found it. Yeah, it looks deep. How long was the blade? 
Pressure's down at 60. She needs volume now. Maybe not. It could be time for now to open up our car. No, right. Check the CVP. Too late for us pause. We're in PEA. Starting compressions. Next day, you up. We need to crack her pepper chest. Hey, ample deputy. Sterile gloves, please. You'll need better exposure. Stab wound is near the midline. Soon or start now, Lily. Go, go, go. Ultrasound is ready. In a minute, in a minute. Ten blades. Stand back. Sacks are down to 85. Start internal compressions. You're right, there is an effusion. Meds. Prep the internal panels. Pericardium's open. You've got a major hemorrhage here. More suction. Cytopraxal aorta. Keep your finger on it, Carrie. I need a 4 proline on an RB1 needle now. Belly's full of blood, probably got the spleen. Gotta cross clamp the aorta. One thing at a time. Auto transfuse from the cell saver. Charge the panels to 15. Cut, cut, cut. We're still in V-fib. Another amp of Epi. Clear. Clear. Side is tack. Check the pressure. Get the portable monitor. We're moving hard to the OR now. Take near the unit. Pulse ox is up to 92. Pressure's 90 systolic. Let's go! <laughs> Pulse ox cable! Is she making urine? Only 50 cc's in the foley. It's better than nothing. Let's go. Call the OR. Tell them we have an open chest. We'll need a laparotomy. We're still waiting on the type specific. Have the blood bank send it upstairs. Are you putting her on bypass? I don't know. How about the fusion is standing by? On the elevator. Bolucci, don't back so fast. We don't want to make her off the lot. Need anyone else? I hope not. Hey, don't forget the drug box. Go. I can't believe this. I think we got it in time. She has a good chance. Carrie? You Dr. Weaver? You're the one who found him? Excuse me? Dr. Weaver, we got a problem with the medevac chopper, industrial trauma from Whitey. Try to divert. I did, but late points closed. Whatever. Okay, first off, sorry, go ahead. You were no, you no, I, I, I want to explain to my co-hosts why I had my headphones off for half of that. That audio is so good and so visceral that it was triggering an anxiety response just hearing it. So good this. job, everybody who did the sound design, because I legitimately got sweats and had to take my headphones off for a minute for that. So and to what Daniel said earlier, no score while mm -hmm. they're while they're cracking your chest nope. open. Mm -mm. Nope. So I'm I'm gonna leave this mostly to you kids to really get into the meat of it because I had to I had to tap out for that audio. Oh, sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I had to I had to tap out for part of that audio because it was too much. So. I'm a bad podcast. No, I mean, no, you're is, not. It is. I forgot to warn. I'm sorry. It, it is arguably the most a lot we have had in this is episode 127. Like in, a, in the previous just... 126 episodes, that might be the most a lot we have ever had in a single clip. Yeah. So. Oh, wait, just wait till later in this episode. I know, but. Oh, good. But I get to do it again. One thing cool. at a time. It's. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, you know what? I hate the thought that I just had. Oh, go for it. Oh my god, it's awful. Please. 
We can always cut it. How many doctors does it take to put a Lucy back together again? (laughs) No, but you know what, though? It's an underrated aspect of of particularly the Lucy half of that equation because Carter, the Carter half, you know, Benton, for for better or worse, like Benton kind of takes control of that and is just like, all right, fuck it, we're going. Like, and, and that's sort of handled, and then we're left to deal with what's happening with Lucy. And I think... Uh, an underrated aspect of the whole thing is how off their game everyone is because they're all so shaken, you know, like they, things that they wouldn't fuck up under normal circumstances. They they're fucking up, you know, like they're like the pulse, the pulse ox cable is is the thing I always go back to or bickering about what's best to do. Right. Like they're, they're arguing and, and you know, it's, it is probably a too many cooks in the kitchen type situation. Like there's too many voices in the room. Um, and again, I keep going back to it, but fucking Malucci, like he adds a lot to that moment, like the with the uh, when they start doing the internal compressions, like where he's sort of filling the role of what would normally be filled in a normal trauma by, say, a Connie or a Chuni. Like he's doing the mm-hmm. nurse's job of like calling out the rhythm, and he's like, "Yep, nope, got it." Charge, like, what do you want to do? You can do it again, like, and then like charge, and they do it like two or three times until they finally get it. And then he calls, and it's just something about the way the tone of his voice or the way he delivers it. Like it just adds this extra little punch to it. And I, I didn't think again, add it to the pile. Like another time where I didn't think that Malucci would be adding like a, a you know, really central element to a big moment like this. Yeah. So that's the end of our, that's the end of the ERs portion of this whole, I, I almost want, I don't, I don't want to call it an adventure, but like the, Debacle. This, this whole situation. Uh, and I, I just, I have to say it here without most deference because there's nowhere else in the episode, but whose films are those? <laughs> yeah, Lauren does, whose films are those? Frenzy's sad trombone. That's true. I just hear the prices right. The Price is Right bad music. Bum, there's, bum, bum, bum. there's nowhere else in this episode where there's going to be a good one to say it. Yeah. So I'm just going to... And what an excellent, uh, you know, we sort of talked about this when it first um, showed up, but like, I don't know if that was always the plan, but like having the whole sternal saw in the ER thing get dropped, ah. get dropped as kind of a little nugget that nobody's really paying attention to. I can't even remember if it was late season four or early season five, but it was... It was a while ago. It was a ago, while ago. And, but they made a big deal out of it at the time. Like, they sort of were like, hey, we're going to have this tool in the ER for the first time and never talk about it again until it comes up, you know, like until it's a central part of this big moment. I mean, after this, even though it, it is a, like a big deal if they have to do that, yeah. like it's not just some casual, they're not just cracking chests open left and right. You know right. what I mean? Like, it, only like the most serious traumas. And, and had to, again, you know, with the audio being as, squiggy as it was like um you don't you don't uh see it of course you're just listening to it but malucci having to turn away when they crack her chest Mm -hmm. like that even a doctor you know whose job it is to deal with trauma all the time he can't look like he's got to look away because it's too harrowing yeah can we fucking throw some love towards the props department Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for this part, just this whole like. Uh, I started doing a. a it you looks know, so good. I, right after I watched this episode, I was doing all the research for the upcoming Lucy retrospective that we're going to be doing in a few days as we're recording this, and um, I was reading this whole. They they did this whole. I think it was it was either People Magazine or Entertainment Weekly, but they had done this whole um, retrospective article about this episode um, for the 20th anniversary of it. So 2020. Um, 
and so they were talking to Noah Wiley and they were talking to Kelly Martin and they were talking to David Crumholtz and Kelly Martin was talking about this scene in particular when they have to crack her chest and how uncomfortable it was because she had to have this giant prosthetic chest on top of her and you're not allowed to move and you're supposed to be unconscious and you're covered in all this fucking goop and it's just like the whole experience sounds like it it sounds like the mood of the set around this uh, episode around these two episodes was sort of off and weird Mm. and like because you know they knew that Kelly was leaving but I don't think that anybody including Kelly herself was clued in until like a week or two before that no we're gonna kill you and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a thing like we're gonna make a huge fucking deal out of this and she was sort of taken aback by it of like, do I really deserve this? Like, I've been here for like a season and a half. Like, I, you know, that, and I think that's the thing I keep going back to with this whole thing. We talked about it um, last week of just like there are there have been much more significant characters that they have let go out with just an absolute whimper. You know, like there, there are other more mm-hmm. significant characters that they have let just sort of fade into the background. And the fact that they felt that she was important enough and worthy enough to warrant such an a. a, a intense ostentatious goodbye is uh really incredible when you think about it from kind of a top-down perspective obviously we don't question it as fans of the show we're like oh it's lucy of course she deserves a big goodbye but in the grand scheme of things she was here for less than 40 episodes but also i think this is the first correct me if i'm wrong because we've done a lot of this already but i think this is the first major credits character that they kill off yes so I think yeah. they maybe thought that, okay, we're six seasons in, it's time to have somebody die. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I, you're at, yeah, I had never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. This is the first okay. one that they like killed. Like the only other one, the only other one we had was uh, Omar Epps. Right. And he was not a, yeah, and he was not a, a main right. credits person, but, but that is them sort of saying, signaling that, no, we can kill people if we want. Like we, we don't always have to let, you know, Harper go off to Texas. We can occasionally kill one of these people just for a little added extra emotional punch, but they had not gone to that well with the main cast yet. They had not said, and they don't go to it too often either. No, thankfully. not really. I mean, less than five. No, yeah, I was gonna say, I no, can think of three off the, t- three off the top of my head. We're all, we're all counting on our fingers. Yeah. Hold on a minute, everybody. <laughs> we got this one. Of course. Da 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 da. Da-da. Da-da. I got five. I have three. I got I five three. by my count. I'm pretty right, sure. Let's, let's say off mic. Yeah. Let's say off. Well, we can, we can my, cut this everyone, from the episode. Everyone, but... everyone listening who is not friend of the show, Jake Terrell, knows the five that we're talking about. But we're going to say. I don't remember the other two. We're going to say this, and then, Daniel, you can cut it when you're editing. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Lauren. That is, um, that, that this is this is sort of a significant, I mean, it's obviously a significant moment, but it's, it's, there's another layer of significance added to it in that this is the first time they're ripping that bandaid off of like, no, we can kill one of these main cast characters. Like totally. Um, yeah. Yay. I made a point. <laughs> what is, what does Carrie do at the, at the very end? Oh Jesus. So. Carrie does what my ad- adrenal system wants to do right now. She goes out to the ambulance bay and pukes in a trash can after things calm down and both, uh, care, both, Carter and Lucy are up in the OR. Yeah, just after on her little catatonic, she's walking just like down the main hall of the ER. Her yeah, her read on that when Malik is trying to talk to her is so good. Just nope. She's dead eyes looking straight ahead, and she, he's like, "Yeah, we need to do this thing." She's like, "Try to divert." He's like, "Yeah, but they tried to." Don't care. Kept moving. Whatever. Yeah, just 
Uh, yeah, just the way she delivers whatever. Right? She's just I wanna, sucked out her soul. I want to point out, for those listening at home, we are 12 minutes into this episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I mean... We, we, we are barely into our second page of notes. We are 12 minutes into this episode. It, this episode throws so much at you in such a short period of time. It is unbelievable. I mean, I think somebody makes the point in the in the uh, listener responses like it really does feel like you're drowning as a viewer and like every time you get to come up for air the show just pushes your head back down under the water like you just have no time to process anything it's all just coming at you in waves all right so for our already fourth uh, fifth clip of the episode uh let's head up to the or where Anspa's rushing in to help scrub in with benton peter I just heard, what the hell happened? I'm not quite sure. Tammy, this is O-neg. I asked for type specific. He is O-negative. All right, I'm going to scrub in. Hang in there, Dr. Carter. How many units is that? No, it's five, but uh, you shouldn't be counting. It's bad, isn't it? Well, we're having problems uh, keeping your crit up, but uh, I think that's when the renal lag. I'm going to give you a couple of verses to relax you a little before I enter bed, okay? Could be the aorta. Or the vena cava or mesenteric vessels. Oh, God. Carter, don't worry. I'm going to explore the abdomen. I'm going to check out everything, okay? I'm glad it's you. Hey, hmm. I'm getting you through this, man. You hear me? Carter? Okay, ready to intubate. All right, that's prepping for a midline decision. I want to be able to cut in two minutes. I mean it. You got it. Laceration to the proximal aorta. What happened? She tamponaded. We had to crack her. Move it, Peter. I got this. Who's on anesthesia? I got her. Go scrub. Put her on the table, supine, and keep her chest covered with more sterile. This is when I said earlier that we're going to listen to a lot of this episode because there's no way that us just talking about things without audio context could really do it justice. The line, I'm glad it's you, mm-hmm. and the way it's delivered, and Noah Wiley's performance, just even just in this scene alone, yep. is just. There was no way we'd be able to do that justice, but God, is it amazing. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, even if they had never, even if you don't do the storyline that comes after this, which yields in and of itself yields a lot of great Carter Benton moments. Even if you had never done that storyline, this feels like a, an incredibly satisfying uh, culmination of the six year journey we've been on with these two. Like, from where they started in the first episode and, and what a just, like, complete fuck-up and annoyance Benton finds Carter to be in that first couple of episodes mm-hmm. to where we are in this moment, it, this is such a satisfying... Re- Even if they'd have never addressed this this pairing again, if they'd have never done anything else with the two of them, I still would have felt like, yeah, they did that justice. Like, they did... And, mm-hmm. and what's crazy is that there's arguably even better... Maybe not even better, but, like... There's, we're going to add to this pile over the next season and a half. Mm-hmm. Like We're going to add so much more layers of complexity to this uh, this relationship. And just, yeah, I cannot say. Th- this is another one of those little moments in this episode that, it, like, if you, you catch me on the right day, this will this one will get me. Like, this one will this mm-hmm. do it. And this is also one of those things where, like, if you're watching this fresh as a, as a viewer back in the year 2000, you know, like, you, you see this. 
and you hear that conversation and the way it's said between Benson and Carter, this would very much lead you to believe that Carter was about to die. Yes. Oh, yeah. They totally bait and switch this whole episode up until that last third. Yes. Yeah. 110%. If you, and I would love to hear from somebody who did watch it first run in 2000, what they were thinking as they were watching it, because Lauren's 110% right that the the message or the the thought that you're meant to take away from the first 90% of this episode is the culmination of what we've been saying since she first popped up is that Lucy is the new Carter and we're this is a changing of the guard and we are going to literally kill off Carter and Lucy and the, the trauma of this is going to stay with Lucy and she's going to take the torch of being the new Carter from here on out it's a masterful job of a bait and switch it really is yeah, well, I have a colleague. I told her that we were doing this because she was an appointment viewer for ER, and she was old enough to actually like remember watching it when it was on, unlike us. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and she she said like when I told her exactly that these were the episodes that we were doing this last week and a half, or last two weeks, she gasped and told me she immediately got chills and remembered exactly where she was and could picture every scene that we were talking about and. I think I think that yeah she said she had said I think um, that she did think that it was going to be Carter that went, mm-hmm. but I will I can check with her and find out for sure because she she'd be good to pick yeah. she would not record with us but I can get an answer for you <laughs> but Daniel. no but ev- but every little piece of information up until the last ten minutes is sort of leading you to believe that Carter is going to be the one because they sort of even though they have a harder time stabilizing Lucy. Once they do stabilize her, they make it seem like Carter's the one in worse shape and that she's mostly going to be okay. Like, she had a rough go of it, but she's going to be okay. And then at the last 10 minutes, they just pull that rug out from under you. And it's just in a time before social media, in a time before, you know, we were aware of every little, you know, way the wind was blowing with you know, a celebrity and a show. I mean, I granted again, going back to the, the research for the Lucy retrospective thing, I did find there were some articles people knew kind of generally that she was going to go, but it was like articles from the week of this episode. Like it was not right. like a, um, we knew six months in advance kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was much more of, you have to tune in to watch, to find out. And they, and there wasn't a Twitter post from a, from a news outlet three months before this that said, Lucy's contract has not been renewed, according to internal sources right. at the show. Yeah, so just very, you know, again, this this is the best show on TV at the time. Like, of course they're going to be good at storytelling, and of course they're going to be good at misdirect and bait and switch, and it makes total sense. Like Lauren said, we're in season six. It makes total sense for the show to kind of, like, shed its skin, do something shocking, and change things up. Why not get rid of the guy you've been following for the last six years and give you a fresh new face to follow around with a fresh layer of trauma paint all over her? And, you know, she's going to have to deal with that for the next, you know, however many years. And you're sitting there thinking, that's what I'm going to get. And then it you don't. And it's. Well, what happens next? We get though? a we get a a really underrated but very tense scene of all the surgeons kind of staring at one another while they're doing their uh, their scrubbing in. And it's again, it's it's another example of like you don't need a lot of extemporaneous dialogue. You don't need a lot of melodramatic score. You can just have a scene with three people standing around a sink looking at each other and just kind of unspoken absorbing the moment and absorbing what they're dealing with. And it, it's it's just another it's not one you would think of off the top of your head, but it's a really good moment. And then we 
go back down to the uh, ER where we see Luca and Amira talking about the size of the knife for cutting a cake, which having seen the knife once they, they do find it, that is a big ass knife. It's a butcher knife. Holy shit. Uh, uh, Amira lends some credence to uh, Lauren's uh, point from last episode where she says, somebody said it was in the lounge, but I couldn't find it. It's because a psych patient in a bathrobe took it. A bathrobe that no one seems to know where he got it. (laughs) Uh, We then see uh, Carrie checking with Mark about Paul Sobricki's treatment. Uh, This is where the blame game kind of starts to set in between the three of them, where they're just kind of going around and around next to the board. Um, Luca says he wasn't briefed on the situation at all. They all thought they all say they thought that Lucy and Carter had it covered. Carrie just explodes on them for even having a party to begin with. Uh, And then in the middle of all this, Paul's wife shows up. Samantha Sobricki uh, shows up. God damn it, Paris. Thank you. Shows up looking for him. And yes, Samantha is played by uh, (laughs) not very many Oh Hey, It's That Guys in this episode. Really just this one. Uh, We don't don't really get to meet very many new people in this episode. Uh, But Samantha is played by actress uh, Liza. Liza? Liza? I'm not sure. I always th- I always re see that, and I think Liza Minnelli. Yeah. I would think I would think Liza Wheel. Yeah, Liza Wheel, uh, who appeared in stuff like Gilmore Girls, Dragonfly, and Stir of Echoes, um, and uh, she she does a very good job in her limited you know mm-hmm. time here. She does a very good job. Um, Carrie passes it off on Luca to explain the situation to Samantha, who is coming in like last she heard her husband was here with a headache. Like she didn't. Yep. She yeah. knows nothing about what has happened over the last yep. uh, episode and a half. Lucy had called her and said Paul was here, but he was fine. Yeah. And that, yeah. yeah it's not serious. That little uh, nugget too that she says I got a message from a Lucy Knight. That also kind of mm-hmm. adds another little like sting for the audience of like. This was a very normal day up until about an hour ago. And mm-hmm. uh, Cleo is back in. Cleo also <laughs> fucking just walked just... out the door and came back to a nightmare. Like she walked. Yeah. Went out, went out to pick her dry cleaning. Oh, God. Yeah. The, uh, I don't remember. Did we say that at the very beginning that she was no, walking I... out? the? Yeah. She was walking out the door as Carrie was coming in. So Cleo knows nothing of what has happened. Uh, that's got to be a shock. Uh, and then we see Luca explaining to Samantha what all has happened. And of course she's in complete denial and doesn't believe that it could have been Paul. Couldn't possibly. No, not my Paul. And yeah, it's not great, Bob. All right. Let's, uh, well, we had the downstairs ER trauma, all that fun stuff. So let's let the surgeons get in on the action with this next audio clip. More lap pads. The kidney won't tamper not. You didn't have time to get a three-way or an IVP? His crit was falling. I didn't want to chance it. Uh, the colon is lacerated, all right. All right, 3 silk on the GI needle. That's her ass, There's blood welling in the hilum. All right, all right, all right. Isolate the renal artery and get a clamp on it. He's hypotensive. Heart rate's up to 120. All right, we got to get this kidney out of him before we lose a move. Hold on. Let me finish suturing his colon before we do something drastic. I'll dissect out the arteries and tie them off. Come on, come on, mix the move. I said wait, Peter. Why? He's lost too much blood. His, his hilum is trash. Dr. Ansbaugh, he's getting shocky. Pressure is 78 pounds. All right, pedicle clamp. Come on. Come we on. still have some time. No, we don't. Peter, will you calm down and you listen to me? Before there's no turning back, let's check the source of the bleeding one more time. Too many vessels are injured. Squeeze in another unit. Let's be sure. There's too much bleeding. I can't identify the source. More suction? Abdominal lap pads. I'll pack off the liver. 
BP's 105 over 70. All right, angle pots now. What are you doing? Pringle maneuver. Have to cut down this blood loss. More suction, damn it! Robert, the spleen's still bleeding. Okay, give me a second. I'll be right there. BP's falling, 80 over 60. Run another unit. She's losing it as fast as we can get it. Then do it quickly. So things are going well. I love how everybody in this episode is not doing what we've grown accustomed to them doing over the last six years. Like, when was the, when was the mm-hmm. last time you can truly say that you saw Benton in a panic or flustered to this degree? Just the way he says too many vessels are injured. Yeah. Just... That should tell you all I mean, you he's just so, like, he's so animated and he's so caught up in it. He's like, no, 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 we have to do this. We don't have time. Like, blah, 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 whatever. And then you get to see Anspaugh be just cool dad surgeon again and just be like, would you shut up and listen to me? Like, stop it. Just, yeah, be quiet for two seconds and let me talk you through this. And then you do that quick cut over to the other side, you know, at, towards the end with Romano where we're, you know, starting to, you know, they did such a good job on the slow burn with Lucy and Romano. Like, they did such a good job of, like, turning up the heat on that just a little bit to remind you of the fact that, like, he was starting to form kind of a, an affectionate bond towards this. The, the man with an ice block for a heart, like, likes yeah. no one that he's not trying to fuck. Likes no one. And he's he really likes this girl. Like, he really likes her just as a, a student and as a person. And... The way that, you know, Elizabeth is like, yeah, she's losing blood as, as fast as we can give it to her. And he's like, well, you better do it quicker. Like, and just that something about the way he delivers that line, it just, re- you can read so much into it. And then we go over to a patient not related to these traumas brought in via the medical chopper. Wait, there's other patients in this episode? Apparently. Uh, Cleo, Cleo is getting him settled. He's going to be a little bit of a trauma for everybody, which is weird. Why is Cleo doing it? She's a peds person, but okay, here we are. Um, David comes in and Mark explains what happened. Then we find out that there's a motor vehicle accident victim coming in in five minutes, which Abby tells Mark. And David asks, are they going to be all right? Your friends? Are they going to be okay? And just very wholesome David Green moment. Absolutely sweet. Yeah, doesn't know. Um, Then the cops are asking Samantha. She knows where Paul might be. And she's like, if he was that dangerous, then why would you leave him alone? And like the shot of the cop just like looking from like her to Luca. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's a good yeah, question. Yeah. Why would you leave her alone? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're telling her they can help him if they can find him, and better now than later. Uh, we find out Lizzie and Romano removed Lucy's spleen. Gross. Um. Carter's kidney begins to pink up and Benton th- thanks Anspa for slowing him down and like calming the shit out of him when he was trying to hurry and get it taken out. And we find out there's a hematoma forming that might cause paralysis when tied off. Not great. Speaking uh, or diving into things that's way, way too far down the line and we don't need to talk about it. I do like that they sort of, pick this back up in the which you know mm-hmm. this is fresh in my mind because a friend of the show aaron tipped me off that today on the 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 normal pop tv pop. airings they were in the last stretch so they're in the last like handful mm-hmm. of episodes before the end of the show and that they that this has far-reaching consequences to the end of the show like it's just such a you know yeah that the, the show is the show is always it. you know for the most part is always so respectful of its own history and its own timeline. And that's another part without going over the top with it, like without beating you over the head with kind of fan servicey, like, I oh, remember that. 
like it, it's it's just it, it's always kind of subtle and tasteful and and i just really appreciate it tiny payoffs exactly uh then we see lizzie's mom and david are chatting in chairs about their kids and just how how well they've both turned out <laughs> and david's kind of like oh mr mr corday <laughs> still alive last time i saw him just <laughs> a so, very very so beautiful answer <laughs> Uh, but okay, that motor vehicle accident patient's coming in. Chen and Abby are out there to grab him. Have you heard anything? They're both still in the OR. Think we should go up there? Nah, I'm sure they'll call when everything's okay. What have you got? John Doe hit by a van running across Michigan Avenue. No apparent head trauma, but repeating questions. Cowboy, uh, there's a cab waiting for him. Let's go. Looney Tunes. Let me go. Why? You're you know, He was running around right. naked in the freezing cold. You can't waver now. You're not allowed to be doing this to me. You sure it's him? Yeah, it's him. What are you doing to Trauma me? Trauma panels, speech by chest anything. and pelvis. I can't. Combative. It's a secret. I said I I'm not taking any chances. Okay, get the police detective in here. Diminished breath sounds on the right. Get x-ray in here. Leave me alone. Kinder. I won't talk. I won't talk. I made promises to people. Pupil four millimeters, equal and reactive. Paul, do you know where you, you are? I told you my name. I don't even know Paul, you. do you remember what happened? You can't trick me. I don't know you. Raise no. your feet. No deformity. I'm not deformed. Temperature's 95. No. Get off of me now. Leave me alone. Don't stick me. You want some held off? I wouldn't stop sticking me. Dr. Weaver, do you want some held off? Dr. Weaver. You have no right yeah, to Yeah, two this. liters of warm saline, five of held all IV. Where are you going? It's like fluid in Morrison's mouth. Can you take this patient? You okay? He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the psych patient got hit by a car. What is it? Can you just take him? Yeah, okay. Thank we you. just send him up to the OR. BP 124 over 82 after a liter. Probably just some venous oozing. Cleo, can you go up with him? Who's our surgeon? Whoever's free. He has the chest tube at head CT. Okay. Let me go. I don't you touch me. Hope. Stop sticking me to No Venus oozing was my nickname in high school. Good God. <laughs> Here I was about to go on a little rant about just not rant, but like just a little like uh, tangent. Tangent. Not not tangent, but just a little uh talking about uh, to- i don't even know my brain's not functioning at this point in the episode holy shit that's why, that's why i had to throw a grenade yeah. in there just keep everybody on their toes i was going to talk about how beautiful how great not how beautiful but how great david cromwell's performances mm-hmm. in this scene just jesus fucking christ and the little bit of audio they have from him in the background while carrie is talking in the other room yep so good i didn't catch it when we were watching but and just him saying they wouldn't stop sticking me. Which makes me feel like, it oh, yeah, it makes it me feel better after we talked about that in the last episode. Because when we talked about it, I was like, I don't remember him saying it. And it makes me feel better that it is in such a chaotic sort of moment and like it's yeah. easy to get lost. Like it's easy like I felt so yeah. bad, I was like, I don't remember that line. Like that seems like something that I would latch onto and stick yeah. up for yeah. it, like it just didn't didn't grab me. But so reliving it and rewatching it and seeing that it's in the middle of this like really intense you know where he's like thrashing against them trying to hold him down and like he's just whew. there's a lot going yeah, he on. turns he yeah. really turns that dial way high like fucking david crumholz man this guy is good yeah. and i love how carrie's just like can you can you do this mm, yeah has to separate herself from the situation a little bit like just uh so good um the other thing i wanted to say like was that 
you know, you said it doesn't really stick out to you. It's always stuck out to me because he's always saying, no, I don't know you. I don't know what's, I'm not going to talk. Don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. They wouldn't stop hurting me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. So like, it just stands out because it's like the only time he's talking about something other than like pleading and yelling for about himself. Mm-hmm. All right. So after that fun uh, little thing, let's uh, go back up to the surgical floor where Romano and Corday are talking about how Lucy's doing. Hell of a way to spend Valentine's Day, huh? She's sitting at 98 on 30% oxygen. No, can't ask for better than that. Good work. How's Carter? Well, it took a while to control the bleeding. They salvaged his kidney. Now they're working on a colostomy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Dr. Romano? Huh? County supervisor's on the phone. He just heard what happened. Tell him I'm in surgery. I just told him you got out. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'll be right back. Dr. Corday, she's waking up. Lucy, Lucy, can you hear me? Do you know what happened to you? There were several stab wounds, one lacerated your proximal aorta. We had to perform a thoracotomy after you were arrested. They gave you a trach to maintain your airway, and we brought you to the OR. Your liver was damaged, but we were able to repair it. However, we did have to remove your spleen. I'm sorry. Lucy, you can't speak. You can whisper if I plug the tray. Do you want to try that? Okay. Remember, only whisper. For our hard of hearing listeners, those last two words from Lucy Knight are, thank you. Yep, Lucy's last words on the show. Mm. Can we take a brief moment to recognize the work of the woman at the beginning of the clip who flippantly dismisses Romano when he's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, liked, I, I like to imagine that she is someone who he has sexually harassed in the past and this was her opportunity to stick it to him because the little like look of like, I don't care, man, when she walks away is just like heroin to me like i just love him I t- getting i just told him you got out uh so good but uh this is and this is where the real sadness starts to set in <laughs> this is mm-hmm. if you weren't depressed enough already this will take you the rest of the way but again like i said they're they're sort of at this point still kind of telegraphing that lucy's gonna be the one that's gonna be okay it sounds like carter's more fucked up uh he is, but in a different way. Um, so we go back over to Benton and Antspaw working on Carter's uh, colostomy. Uh, Shirley tries to pull Antspaw or Benton away for another surgery, uh, but uh, they're saying that the patient is stable and can wait until Lizzie can get to him. Uh, Lizzie is just about to leave uh, Lucy to go work on this other patient when she has sudden chest pain. Uh and I want to I want to note here because I did not put it in the notes. This is the um, this is Cleo's med chopper patient right. that she is being pulled to work on. So. Like something oil penetrating. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. never made really that clear, but uh, yeah, this is the patient that that Cleo will be working on. Um, 
And so they suspect uh, everyone up to and including Lucy suspects that this might be a pulmonary embolism, uh, which um, even though it's not a spoken line, we get a, you know, mouthed uh, confirmation (laughs) of such by Lucy. And I think here uh, might be the, again, from that article that I was talking about earlier, this I think might be the the moment I was uh, reading about where, Mm -hmm. They had to do it over and over and over again because Alex Kingston wouldn't stop crying. Uh, She was having a hard time getting through this scene. And so they had to keep doing take after take after take because this was so hard for her to get through. Um, And so as they're rolling her out of the room, her and Romano are sort of arguing about course of treatment. Lizzie wants to start heparin right away. uh, But Romano is pushing back against that because uh, he fears that she might bleed out from surgery from the she's already suffering from some bleeding from the previous surgery and if they dilute her blood if they thin her blood any further she might never stop bleeding so yeah they end up in between a rock and a hard place they end up going with it but they say they only want her on it for two hours just while they finish this exploratory thing in like the cath lab and then they're gonna cut it off right away I, i love the confidence in lizzie's voice too when he says you know I, I'm not going to allow any more than two hours. And Lizzie's like, I won't need anywhere near that long. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the sheer confidence of the both of them in that moment that they are still going to be able to save her life. And that it's, that's what makes, that's what makes what comes next. So is, heartbreaking. Just going to say it's unfathomable to them at this yeah. moment that they would lose yeah. her, that they wouldn't be able to fix this. Yeah. Uh, then, Oh God, just, it keeps getting worse. Samantha goes to check in on, uh, no, first off, Samantha goes to ask Paul, ask Mark how Paul is doing. Mark gives her a summary and says that she may want to wait until the drugs go through his system a little bit more because he's going to be very sedated at the moment and might not really be talkative. Um, then Lizzie and Romano are up, I think, CT scan. Yes. They're up doing one of the scans getting um, with Lucy and they do identify the location of the pulmonary embolism and they are going to get it fixed. And when we see her, her gown is soaked through in the front from the incision oozing because the heparin has stopped her clotting factor. So Ugh. that whole midline is just a red It's such a like streak. It's such a oh. like and it's not gory. No, but it's but what it's it represents. Just, it, it's such a stark visual on the camp because like it just sticks out. Like you're in these very yeah. sterile white rooms. She's wearing a white gown and everything. So like that that big glaring red, blob yeah. of red right in the middle of the screen. It just your eyes are drawn to it. Especially when you know that that means the entire dressing is soaked through yeah. to under it. Like it's not just some random blood. It's you know the that gauze spe- is soaked. Yeah, yeah. You know that specific incision, all the whatever they put around it is soaked through with Ugh. blood. Yeah. Um, but Lizzie then gives Lucy a rundown of what they're going to do to, you know, help her fix this and everything. And she's like, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I promise. And she gives Lucy a little hair pet and it breaks my heart every time. Oh dear. And then we go over to Doc Magoo's where Luca, Abby, Dave, and Chen are all hanging out waiting for news. Cause they're all off shift and don't want to go home yet. Since, you know, Carter and Lucy are 
hanging in the balance. This is very reminiscent of it, especially at the end, when we get to the end of the episode, but th- this whole scene here, this is also very reminiscent of uh, the healers in, in yep. season two with Shep and Raul. Yep. All right, so we've come to it. My most indulgent audio clip ever, which is actually three scenes I stitched together. <laughs> um, it's all, it's our final time with Lucy. Like, it's not the final time we'll see her in this episode, but like, We've come to the end of Lucy Knight's uh, time on this show. There's nothing I could do that we could do justice to what you're about to listen to. So there, And also, like I said, it's three scenes condensed into one clip, and there is some stuff going on between it, but we'll talk about that afterwards. BP's 112 over 78, pulse 102. AC 14, tidal volume 600, 100% FiO2. Another two of us said, it's just to relax you a bit during the procedure. You want to stay awake? Okay. Okay. I'm going to numb the inguinal area with lidocaine and introduce a catheter into the femoral vein. I'll prep. Get going. Spunquid is 32. Good. Go. I'll be right back, Lucy. Don't worry, Ms. Knight. We've put far too much time and energy into your training to lose you now. Greenfield filters are a snap. Done about 100 of them. I'll talk you through it if you like. BP's down to 60. Call off 72. Lucy? No credit pulse. Damn it, she's thrown another clot. Start chest compressions. You, get in here and bag her. Lizzie, I need you now. Give me a stable remover. Come on, come on, come on. Right now, pour some beta iron on chest. You can open it right here. She won't make it to the OR. Call the unit. Tell them we need two more nurses. What happened? She's in PEA. Stand by with wire cutters. Wire cutters? We wired the damn breastbone together. Start internal compressions as soon as you can. The right ventricle's dilated. Side biting clamp. Come on, come on. You want a Fogarty? No, just the yank hour. Scalpel. Try and suck out whatever we can. Suction. Okay. All right, that's the right side. We've got a few clots here. Good. Maybe she'll get some oxygen. One more four o'prolene. How's the pulse ox? 68 on 100%. Still not oxygenating. I don't know, Lizzie. Removing side clamp. Defense, resuming compressions. Internal paddles. Charge to 15. Clear. Still in VFIP. Charge to 30. What's your name of that Clear. Nothing. Again. Clear. Sack out at 62. Charge again. 100 of lidocaine. Clear. No. Again. Clear. What the hell are you doing? Saving his life, Statinsky. Cracked his chest. He needed a laparotomy. You should have been here to do one. You should have called me sooner. Gown. The artist cross clamped. Pressure's coming up. This was completely unnecessary. What the hell were you thinking? A minute ago there was no pressure. Now there is. Sterile gloves. Step back, Doctor Finch. I've got it from here. Peter, he was about to you rest. Step the hell back now. Ten blade. Pulse is down to ninety. All right, lap pad and Bowie. Let's move, people. Peter, I'm sorry, Carter. Let's get the chest with three liters of warm saline. Come on. Clear. It's just going. Push an ampervatropine. When was the last stepping? Four minutes ago. Push another seven milligrams now. Clear. Okay, that's it. We've done everything we can. Holding compressions. 
Son of a bitch. No. No, no. Let's give a minute for the last deputy to circulate. Come on, charge to 30, let's go. Come on, let's, let's go! Stop it. You know that scene in Star Wars when Yoda gets so tired of answering Luke's questions that he just dies? I like to imagine that Lucy, left with the prospect of being left alone in a room with Romano for any length of time, elected to just, oh my God. just die. Because Lizzie leaves the room and Romano starts doing Romano stuff where he's like, this is fine, you're going to be fine, whatever. And then she literally kind of just looks up and goes, nah, and just fucking bolts it out the door like just it's like deuces bitch i'd rather die like <laughs> daniel i hate you okay so i have i have something pedantic and then i actually want to get into an emotional note i noticed pedantic dumb thing i noticed was when he when they're working on her and then he throws the tray yes and then he's like no we're gonna keep working on her i was like your gloves aren't sterile anymore and like it matters at this point but i'm like you matter. touched an unsterile <laughs> field and you're in her heart um, but then going into the actual thing, um, early on in the audio clip, when he and Lizzie are first working on her, you hear him do this very quiet no. Mm-hmm. When when they're doing the not, compressions, yeah. Mm-hmm, I did not notice that the, the last time we watched it, or, and it comes through so much better on audio, and I was just like, oh yeah, my god. The, not, not the compressions, but the, uh, uh, I, I misspoke, the defibrillation. They're doing the internal paddles. Yep. And one of them, they, they do it and he, you do, it is, it's this very kind of defeated. No, like it's this very kind of like, no, this isn't working. And it's just for, for my money, let's just get it out of the way from the top for my money. This right here is the peak of Robert Romano, the character. This, this Mm -hmm. moment right here is the good shit. This is where, this is my favorite line from him is don't worry, Ms. Knight. We put far too much time and effort to your train. (laughs) If Jake doesn't like him now, he never never will. will. Exactly. Because, because it doesn't, that there is no higher high for this character than this moment right here. There's, I think there's still stuff to um, talk about with him. And I think there's, there's still a lot for us to dig into that we know what's coming and I'm excited to get to, but like for the, for the character itself, like this is, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Like this is the moment where you realize that there is a human being buried deep down inside there. And he did form an emotional connection with this person that wasn't based on, sexual harassment like he Mm -hmm. formed an actual living bond with this person and now she's dead and it's and it's and it not only is it is she dead but it's because he wasn't able to save her and he thinks of himself as god and so that's the ultimate like ego blow to him that even after he knows in his heart of hearts he knows that she's gone he can't accept that and he's like nope nope we're gonna keep going like we're gonna do this and it's elizabeth who has to be like dude we're done like yeah Ugh. and for my money in this show there's no better bit of physical acting than lucy as you hear the monitor in the background start to beep down she realizes something's wrong mm-hmm. and is like starting to fade fade and like looking around like oh god oh god but like unable to speak obviously just yeah without without the ability to speak shit does so much work with just like we talked about with noah wiley earlier in the episode it's all in the eyes 
The yeah. eyes tell the whole story. Jesus, that was still this episode. <laughs> it's, it's been a journey, let me tell you. Ugh. And Lauren had a note about the music as well. Uh, that I don't think that was me. Oh. It was in the notes before. Well, then maybe it was me, and I don't remember writing <laughs> it. Because all, I, all yeah. I heard that entire audio clip was B. No, there is. So. There is, especially during the, 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 the part we were talking about with the defibrillation, like... There is a very distinct score there that I know what I said earlier that like you, you need to yield to the moment usually in cases like these, but in this particular instance, I do think that the score added to it a little bit. Like it it was a, it was this very kind of like sweeping gradual escalation of things as the situation grows more and more dire. And it's, I don't know, like it's sort of like the visual representation of sand slipping through your fingers, this whole scene. Like it goes from this very ho-hum sort of like, yeah, it's bad, but like it's fucking Lizzie and Romano. Like they're going to fix it. It's going to be okay. And then and Romano's still his, his like, oh yeah, super confident Right, self. exactly. He's still doing his Romano thing. And then over the course of, you know, that whole scene, you're just watching these grades of sand slip through your fingers until eventually she's gone. So... I, I have an unemotional question that's just stupid. Is the reason that they have those alarms so fucking unpleasant so nurses and doctors will go address them right away just to turn them off? Because holy shit, my ears are bleeding from all of these in this episode. I, I think... cannot. It's like how people hear babies crying and they, they just die inside. That's me with all these monitors this episode. It I think is... it's just a very specific tone that's like it's high pitched and easy to hear. I hate from it. farther away. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate I do, it. But I do think that is part of it is that it is designed to be annoying enough that you have to come look at it and you have to come deal yeah. with it. And it does set a perfect sort of score. And I'm sure it's probably like tuned, like heightened for the dramatic purposes of this. Uh, on the flip side, I think they also did mute the shit out of uh, Romano flipping that tray because there's a oh, there's yeah, a very distinct did. dip in the sound as soon as he uh, uh, slams that tray. Um and what a what a good moment that in and of itself is too, that like mm-hmm. unrestrained sort of like, that's all he's got left. That's the only card he's got left mm-hmm. to play in that moment where he's so that that's like the biggest betrayal for him as surgical god is like, no, I can't have lost my would be protege. Like that can't possibly have happened. And the only way he knows how to deal with it is to just explode. And it's just one of if not the best scenes in the entire 15 seasons 331 like yeah. whatever you want to call it like without qualification one of if not the best scene Ugh. Just, and then cleo also does we, some we, stuff with benton too like let's, let's not forget about that that's in but in the middle of all of that which we don't really get to talk about because of all the stuff going on with Romano and Lizzie and, and Lucy, we have this whole other thing going on with Benton and Cleo with the, the, the penetrating trauma. And, you know, so Benton goes into work with Cleo on this patient and he, you know, again, the it's, it's so like all consuming his obsession with making sure Carter's okay. This episode that like he immediately abandons Cleo and it's just mm-hmm. like, he basically looks at the patient for five seconds and is like, yeah, he can wait. Like, I got to go fix Carter and runs yeah. off. And then, of course, the patient starts crashing because they're too busy working on Carter and Lucy. And she has to go to do a thoracotomy on the guy because she doesn't know how to do an X-lap. 
qualified. Right. And I love how is it Babcock who's in there with her? Is it Yeah, yeah. Babcock, yeah. yeah. He's sorry, Christian name, Mr. Carrie Weaver. Mr. Carrie Weaver's in there with her. <laughs> and and he's like, You're gonna crack his chest and she's like He's like, he needs an X lab. And she's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Do you? Like, it's <laughs> actually a really good moment from Cleo for a character that doesn't get yeah. very many of those. It's actually a really good moment for her. And Benton comes back, yells at Cleo for jumping in and doing anything, even though she did what she had to do to save this guy because he ignored her. And she gets a real fucking great stinger on Benton on the way out the door. The, I'm yeah. sorry that Carter got hurt. It's just yeah. like, mm. And in my mind, like in my my head canon of this episode and where we're at in the timeline of this whole shitstorm, I thought Cleo and Benton were more of a thing by this point. Like they've gone to dinner once right? that we didn't even I know. see. And the, but yeah. like in my mind, when I think about this episode and I think about this scene, I'm thinking of Cleo as Benton's girlfriend, and she's not yet. And so that's just weird to me. Like it's it, like it, it's weird how your mind sort of edits the order of things, and like it that that's why it benefits us to do these like this. Is it, you know reorganizes what reality is in place of what your memories think it is. But like in my mind, I always think of this as like no, he made a distinct choice of I would rather help this kid, this you know guy that is like a brother to me, over going and helping my girlfriend. And that's not really the case, yeah. but I thought it was an interesting parallel to la to last week's episode to be still my heart with Lucy and Carter. Mm. Like Cleo is trying to get yeah this th someone's attention, and it can be it it can be mitigated before it gets worse. But the person who know who would know better to what to do here and how better to handle the situation is just blowing her off, yeah. and. It, and but thankfully it doesn't end with anyone getting. Well, I suppose it does end up with someone getting way more injured. <laughs> it's, yeah, it still really ends up with someone getting stabbed. It's just the patient this time. Yeah, and it's a more controlled environment. <laughs> but just uh, poor Cleo. I really, I really, this is like the mo the biggest moment where I feel for her mm -hmm. is this is these the set of mm -hmm. scenes. Absolutely. But then we go back down to the ER. Uh, Mark is working on Paul's injured leg. Uh, Psych brings Samantha in to see him, and he's very clearly still. He's not like, vi like violently altered like he was in the trauma room, but he's still, he's calm, but like he's still like, I gotta get home. I gotta. They wouldn't like he's pretty much rambling at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and the psych attending is still there asking questions, asking him questions about his delusions and just about other stuff. And oh, yeah, like he's talking about like organs. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, they were going to take my internal organs. And I love how he goes, who's they? Them. Yeah, what organs, Paul? My internal organs. Like, he's duh. It's like, it's like, duh. I know. He plays this so well. Like, he could easily take this in a cartoonish, over the top direction, and he never does. And it's also frightening realist, frighteningly realistic. Yeah. To also, me. Samantha does a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like her. I know that's not her name, but you know she she does a great job responding to this. Like, oh my god, I love this man, and what is he going through? Yeah, yeah. But they're going to, going to admit him upstairs. Do we see him again next episode, or is this it for a while this for is, Paul? This is it until it's the last time we see Paul returns. until yeah, yeah. season. Eight, so, so we don't really hear anything about like his we, consequences. We will hear I've, about I've him, seen sure. I was like I've seen so many posts about it lately about like how 
quote unresolved this necessarily is. So I'm just trying to remember what they end up doing. But I guess we'll get into that in the next couple yeah. weeks is what happens with Paul through the grapevine. But um, then Benton immediately asks Cleo once they're done with their stuff if Carter's in recovery once he gets out of the X-lap surgery. And Cleo tells him about what happened to Lucy. Yeah. And Benton is apologizing here too. Yeah. Which is Thank you. Which is a step yeah. up. Back backing up just one bit just one tidbit on Paul before we leave him for two years. Uh, another little tidbit I picked up from that um article about this episode. He's twenty one years old <laughs> when this episode Jesus. He, he said he was twenty one years old and was very much still a struggling actor at this point when he got cast in this episode. He said he was he said I was a twenty one year old actor living alone in an apartment in Burbank when I got that part. He was like and it was he was like I was I was then brought in thrust into this world where I'm expected to kill and at least one of the characters and try to kill the other one. He was like it was a very strange situation for me and like a very like he was like the whole vibe of the set was very strange. Like it was like somebody it was like one of one of the actual people had died. Like it was a very sort of somber environment that he was being thrust into and he was the new guy on set like he was the guy who like came yeah, in he's the guest star. yeah so he's like it was kind of a strange experience and he got a lot of shit in real life for it like he of course of course he, he was did. like within a week of this episode coming out he was like he had people coming up to him in line at the movies and stuff and like being like you killed my favorite character blah 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 whatever so like, just He's like, and in in the article he was like, I still get messages on Twitter. He's like, from people being like, you're an asshole and blah blah blah, whatever. Like, Jesus Christ! People really need. I mean, this is coming from us doing a podcast about a twenty something year old show, but people really need to learn se- to separate TV from reality and actors from characters. I mean, and I'm sure that had to have been a, a horrifying sort of experience, you know, to to deal with, but it, but. I'm sure on some like artistic level, that's got to be like, damn, I fucking nailed it. Like, well, you know, yeah. well, it's 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 like the uh, the anecdote from the Laura Inez interview mm. when she first when her first couple episodes came out. Yeah, yeah. Which teaser right for that? <laughs> Three months away. Uh, yeah. Still, we have it. It's in the can. It did happen. Um, sh- shall we go on? But yes, that's a very good point. That holy shit, I didn't even think about how much backlash there would have been for him as an actor at that time 38 what, what was the number 30 30 some 39, 39 million 39 39 million people watched you murder one of their favorite characters on tv and now you just and it, like he said it's not like he was a big movie star he was a guy living by himself in an apartment so now he has to go to like the grocery store and the mall and the movie theater and he's just he's the guy who killed lucy only 33 million people because he murdered them. He murdered Lucy last week. Well, you know, he stabbed her. He stabbed, he stabbed her last week. He stabbed week. them last week. He, so. he, she died. So technically the murder occurred this week. Well, well you know. that's semantics, I think. And but. five years later, he would go on to do numbers. So, so it all works out. Be, he'll always be the elf Bernard, right? Yes. Bernard in my heart. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um... But then from there, we see the team at Docs joined by Hale and Lydia with the most cringeworthy thing. This would have gotten audio, except for it's a huge fucking drag queen joke, so yep. I'm not going to get it. Talking about how haha Carter pranked Lucy by having her do a pelvic on a drag queen. LOL, unexpected penis. It's so funny. Um, but this is the only time I'm just going to say thank goodness for bad news. Chuni comes in to break up the party with the news about Lucy's death. 
Yeah. Which, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, very reminiscent of when I believe it's Lydia who does it then, who comes in and tells everybody that it that uh, Raul has died. Uh, when they're and they're doing the same thing then they're swapping like firefighter stories war like stories, they're, they're swapping yeah. war stories and it's very very reminiscent of that um and then in the background as they are in docs uh we had several people who pointed this out in the listener responses and also um online as well um that the song that is playing in docs over the jukebox is samba samba pati i don't actually know how to say the particular name of the song but it's by santana um, and this was also the same song that was played at the end of Day for Night. So you can't tell me that that some of this shit don't rhyme. Like you can't tell me that some that you oh, can't tell me that some of this shit wasn't planned out in advance. You know that they they as much as these writers that we've talked to love to pretend that they didn't plan anything out further than three episodes ahead. Some of this stuff feel is so on the nose and is so intentional that like there had to have been some level of forethought put into it. At least if if you're not even if you're not not even if you're not necessarily planning it, someone is going back and like looking through right. or watching through her storyline while they're like trying to set up scenes. Right. Oh, I definitely like think that. being that Lydia Woodward wrote the first half of this two parter and she also wrote Day for Night, I have to imagine that she went back and like gleaned some of the material that she put in for Day for Night into the story for Be Still My Heart because there's just too many little coincidences that that if you know obviously for us since we know how it ends we we picked up on it right away where we were like holy shit there's so much stuff in her first episode that kind of foreshadows her ultimate ending that some of that stuff has to be intentional it just has to be Mm -hmm. all right well let's uh wrap up these the audio clips in this one our 10th of the episode a new stt record thank you for bearing with us uh Benton is checking on Carter in recovery. All right, let me know when the vibration stops. But the pancreas. Totally intact. He just got the descending colon. How long will I have the colostomy for? About a month, we'll do a takedown. Now. Good. Sensation's intact. You were lucky, Carter. I know. You're welcome. All right, I'm gonna test your motor strength, lift your leg. How's Lucy doing? Come on, man, lift, lift. That hurts. I know. All right, now, don't let me push it down, okay? Hold it, hold it. Good, good. Oh, my back is killing me. Yeah, and a hematoma around the lumbar plexus. I'll give you some morphine. I want you up and walking in 12 hours, okay? Lucy's dead, isn't she? Well, there it is. First off, Carter's thank you. Mm -hmm. It's just fucking excellent. Second off, I love when, when... uh, Benton's doing the the strength test with him, and Carter just goes, <laughs> "Nope, <laughs> been there." Like, yeah this this whole thing sounds like me with Lizzie when I'm trying to get her to do PT. Benton's <laughs> no Benton's very smooth expert level redirect too when Carter asks about yeah. Lucy. 
doesn't doesn't miss a hey, beat. Let's check on this. No, just come on. Doesn't man. miss a beat. Doesn't doesn't dwell on it at all. You know, and it's just he's trying to protect his friend from the truth and for as long yeah. as he can. His boy. It's just like this is supposed to be, and in, in many ways it is. You know, it's the the culmination of the Lucy arc, and it's. It, th- th- I think that's one of the things that make this makes this episode so great, is that it's not just the Lucy episode. Like it's not just the thing that happens to Lucy and and the end of her storyline. It's everybody. Like we've talked about it from the beginning of the episode. Like we, how many times have we said like this person has a really great moment in this episode? This person, like, let's go down the list. Fucking Malucci. Cleo, Lydia, like Chuni, like there are people, Hale, there are people almost from the top of the cast to the bottom who have had Randy. have had a moment, even however brief it may have been, they have had a moment to shine in this episode that you can pull from and say, like, that's some of the best work they ever did. And I think that's why this episode stands the test of time as maybe, you know, the best episode, bar none, of the whole series is that it it was this magical moment where they caught lightning in a bottle where every single part of the cast and every single part of the equation was firing on all cylinders all at the same time. Because like we've said before, there's there, there are those episodes that are dogs that you can still pull one thread out from. You can still say, well, Jeannie had a great episode or Benton had a good episode, even if the overall episode doesn't kind of really come together. But to have an episode like this where every single part of it works to its best possible potential and you get this as the end result. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But we start to cut co- down. Yet. Yeah. We are not, not quite done yet. Uh, we start coming down the mountain here. Lizzie coming in from work, just completely shell shocked. And her mom wakes up uh, to the sound of her coming in. Um, and Lauren, you had a observation here. Yeah. I noted here this was kind of a nice parallel to how we start 613 um the second scene in 613 is Lizzie and her mom starting their day together mm. the like you know this the morning of all of this right and then Lizzie you know is coming home at god knows 4 a.m. that night after all of this has happened and her mom is waking up again you know like to be there for her then so i just thought it kind of was a nice uh, bookend Tonally speaking, it would have been completely inappropriate, but I would like to point out that the last time that we saw Lizzie's mom, she was going to be driven home by Mark's dad, and she's coming uh, coming out of the bedroom with a bathrobe, and like part of me was like, I mean, we could take away from that that maybe they hooked up. Like, wasn't like you know, at least somebody had a good time this week. Like, why couldn't it have been the parents? Somebody had a good Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, not everybody's day had to be ruined by this. Like, we could have could have had a little fun there. But, like I said, tonally, it would have been inappropriate. And I'm glad they didn't. But uh, <laughs> but just excellent, uh, again, excellent work by Elizabeth looking just completely shell-shocked and completely, like, catatonic after what mm-hmm. she's just been through. Um, Mark comes in, uh, sees cops taking photos of exam three with all the blood still on the floor and everything still kind of disheveled. Uh, and then we see, <laughs> then we see Carol never in a more visual representation of how she really doesn't have much to do on this show anymore. Uh, showing up at the end. I mean, I know there was a storyline justification for it. She was gone for the 12 hours, but I was just like, never more has my theory of like season six, Carol barring a few moments really doesn't need to be here anymore uh just kind of shows up and is like oh man that sucks 
All right. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Like, mm, big gulps, huh? All right. Got to go. Like <laughs> She kind of like waves and walks away. Uh, and that's really all we get from Carol. Uh, we have, they then have a multi-victim trauma coming in. Mark asks Abby to help cover because they're short a doctor and a med student now, which is just like the crushing reality of the logistics now, like that the the hospital's still open. Life is still going on. They're still going to have to be doctors. And that's, and, and we get this really excellent moment where he pauses at the admit desk to take a breath and then has to carry on with his day. Like, it's just this, this total like slice of life moment where like, fuck, that was a lot. It kind of reminds me of how they do the finale. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Different circumstances, but same sort of same Just sort of idea. Just that slice of life. Yeah. But then we round off the episode. Uh, Carrie goes into the room where Lucy has passed. Uh, sees her mono in there. Mono says he had to close her chest. And Carrie very nicely... Very, very n- nicely cuts the thread that Romano was holding up. Um, and she goes to drape Lucy's face and he says, the nurses can do that. And she says, I know, and does it anyway. And she goes over and I want to cry now. You, you can, you have time to sob because there's a ton of listener responses. <laughs> so that's you're fine. True. Um, but I want to note this episode ends with the still of Lucy from another episode where she was out in the ambulance bay looking at Kovach. Yep. It's the still from, um, 611 uh domino heart um and it is the first and only time in the entire 15 season run where the freeze frame is not from the episode that just aired and that was that was a conscious decision on their part just because of this is lucy's episode like this is lucy's final episode and none of the visuals of lucy from this episode are particularly pleasant to look at or they didn't want to be the lasting memory of Lucy on her final appearance. And so they made a conscious decision to pick a happy memory and go back a couple episodes to before all of this and pick something that they, they wanted to be the lasting image of Lucy going for the audience. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I think I can speak for all three of us when I say solid 10 out of 10. I thought you were going to go 9.5 out of 10 because they kept that one guy in the chair instead of in a bed at the beginning of the episode. But that's I was going to go. I was you were reading my mind. I was going to go (laughs) 9.5 just because it comes damn close. I don't know what I would have it do better. But it's just it's 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 not quite a perfect run for me. I mean, okay. when I say 10 out of 10, I don't mean that the show that this episode is without fault. Yes, that little pedantic thing. And also (laughs) hidden dicks or whatever. Like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, you could have chosen a, 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 a different story than that. Sure. But I don't, but like, it gets the whole it, it, vibe across exactly. what you're trying to do. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's not without, it's, it's not yeah. without its couple little faults here and there, but for my money, this is not only like the actual best episode of ER, I would put this against any episode of any series on TV mm-hmm. ever. It's by far, it's by far one of the strongest two-parters ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, for whatever reason, I just can't quite give it a full 10. It's an excellent yeah. episode, but I just, I have to go 9.5. Yeah. This one, this one sits on my Mount Rushmore. If you had to like make a Mount Rushmore four episodes of ER, this is number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boom. yeah. I, I mean, for me, yeah, definitely. I think this is, 
if it's not my favorite of all time, that's probably because I have like a personal connection to some other episode. Like if I'm looking at it purely objectively and taking my own emotions out of it, like I do think that, like I was saying earlier, I think this is the closest they ever came to perfection. It might not be perfect Mm -hmm. in and of itself, but this is the closest that they ever got to having every single part of the machine uh, working to max potential in one single episode. The music, yeah. the school, like the the action, the the cinematography, the the performances, like we said, from everybody top to bottom, everybody's given it a hundred and ten percent here, and pretty much without flaw. And it is so. Again, I just go back to like the not audacity, but just like the the sort of in a vacuum why you would pick a character who had only been around for a little over a year to bestow such a like important type of episode and an important type of landmark moment. I mean, I I don't know that they went into it expecting this is going to be the best episode that we're ever going to do, but they certainly knew that it was probably going to be a big deal. Like they certainly knew that it was probably going to be their sweeps thing. Like this was going to be their big moment for the season, similar to what we went through with Clooney last season. Um, And to center it all around, somebody who as i said hasn't really earned some of the cachet of some of the other main cast members hasn't been around as long but it is it's a testament to what a great character she is and why we're going to spend hours talking about her this weekend in the retrospective episode like she manages to i I think lucy maybe manages to do more with the least amount of exposure of any character in the history of the show i would agree with that Mm -hmm. in terms of like overall like significance when you look at the show from the top and you start thinking about who are the biggest and most pivotal important characters in the show's history she's probably the one that has the biggest bubble with the least amount of episodes attached to her yeah you know i think the biggest part of that is her lasting effect yeah and how many times this will come back not mostly because carter and the ramifications of him being stabbed but like She'll be mentioned in season nine by Carter. Right. She'll be there. You could see shades of her, of Carter, of her in Carter throughout the rest of his run on the entire goddamn show. Right. She affects, she affects his development, not just from a physical standpoint, like you said, the, the, uh, the physical stabbing itself, but she affects his growth and his development in the way that I kind of expected or thought maybe Gant should have back in season three Mm -hmm. where I was like, I remember saying at the time when he died that his death feels very shock value and very meaningless in the grand scheme of things, because barring a few episodes in the post fallout of that, they never mentioned Gant ever again. Like that whole Uh thing just goes away and it's never part of either Benton or Carter's story ever again. And Lucy is not that Lucy. This will, this will haunt him, literally haunt him for years after this. Yeah. He explicitly, when he's yelling about getting extra security in season nine into the show, he's like, I got stabbed. Lucy got killed. Like he explicitly mentions her as one of the causing effects of him going on strike. It's yeah. yeah. Masterclass of storytelling from top to bottom. And Yeah. I don't know what more we've talked for two hours about it already. I don't know what more we can say. I'm I'm gonna say let's save the rest of it for her retrospective because yeah. otherwise we're never gonna be done. Yeah, and, and we have a mountain of listener responses to get to, which I will <laughs> absolutely be Lauren and I will be tag teaming this because yeah, I was gonna say why don't you just switch off Some, one one as one, you might one. imagine for the best episode in the series, people had a lot to say and I had to cut off responses. I'm sorry I did not take every single person's response. I didn't want to like have us here all night. But 
you had a lot I gotta, to say. I got to be in the office early tomorrow. We are not going to be here longer than we have to today. Um, we start off with Katie H says, Ooh, this is the one. Seeing Romano have a heart was refreshing. I just wish it was under better circumstances. Seeing everyone come together to try and help Carter and Lucy reminds me back of the first episode when Carol came in after trying to unalive herself. Oh, my heart. Audrey T says, I started watching this show probably a few episodes after this aired. As I watched, I remember saying to myself, I think one of these characters dies and I think it's her. Didn't even know Lucy's name at the time because he, referring to Carter, is still on the show. Then when she woke up later to say thank you, I felt relief because I thought, oh, okay, maybe she doesn't die then. But then the end of the episode came and I got sad all over again. This episode gives me the same chills now as when I saw it for the first time. Weaver gasping, Benton running down the stairs, etc. All of it, that's acting. Kelly Martin wanted to go out with a bang, and boy did she. Heather R. says, I can still vividly remember hearing a promo for this episode on the car radio driving home with my mom when this was set to air. That's how much of an impact this episode had on me. Since I started watching the show in season six when it was on air, this was really the first major episode or cliffhanger I watched. I forgot to comment on the last episode, but the Battle Flag song to end it was somehow so right. Do I listen to it on my Spotify playlists? Yes. Yes, I do. It comes back around in a year or two on the show as well, which is a great touch. Anyway, I thought the show was so well done at the beginning because you always wonder how they're going to show something that the viewer knows but the characters aren't aware of yet. How will they get into it? I will say, though, it does seem a little odd that the ER is pretty much abandoned so everybody is just free to have a party and therefore not notice two people are on the floor in a dark room bleeding out. But whatever. The camera shot down the hall when Weaver is trying to read a film that is actually someone's that is actually someone's this time, right? <laughs> and the bloody footprint are a great touch. Weaver's reaction and the cut to the opening credits is chilling and well done. Laura Inez was great in this one for her part. Going from typical Weaver telling everyone to get back to work, her comment about people are having parties while these two are, while these two are in there bleeding to death, her reactions sawing the chest, ugh, and then going outside to vomit because why wouldn't you? She also knew that she couldn't deal with treating the suspect when he came in, and we get a quick glimpse of how Mark and Carrie rely on each other as co-workers. And then the ending. Ugh, just brutal. All the chaos in the ER when Carter and Lucy were found is typical and great stuff that we expect from this show, and heightened with all the staff reactions. Abby saying, I was just talking to him, and then needing a sec to compose herself in drug lockup, and later finding the knife... Dr. Dave being shaken. You could hear it in his voice. Look at this, Chief, as he examines the stab wounds. Nothing against Lydia or Ellen Crawford, but I didn't like her delivery on the I can't believe nobody saw anything comment, and apparently Luca didn't either. Always just seemed like a very scripted moment. Yes, I know it's scripted, rather than a reaction that might be more natural. The elevator photo of Mark, Carrie, and Luca. Yeah, that speaks for itself. And the moment when the three of them start arguing about the patient at the desk was emotion-filled, too. Loved seeing the staff all randomly gather at docks to wait for news. Carol not being in the episode so much was a little odd, though it makes sense because her character had gone home for the night, I guess. On Benton, love how he practically launches himself down the stairs to the ER when he first gets the news. 
Throughout the episode, you really see the care for Carter based on the relationship they've had. Still, it does make it a little cringeworthy when he hangs Cleo out to dry with the other patient up in the OR. And was that scenario even very realistic? No other surgeons to help anyone besides two stabbing victims? That whole storyline felt a little like taking up space. We could already see how much Benton cares for Carter and wants to help. I like how Carter figured out the news about Lucy from Benton's silence. It wasn't complex, he knew, and he didn't overact his reaction. On Romano. Him tossing the tray across the room in frustration, saying no and trying to revive Lucy while Corday stands there holding the paddles and quietly says Robert is Romano's finest moment in the series. I said what I said. The double date with Mark Elizabeth and their folks was cute with the piano man sequence. I also still laugh at the way Elizabeth violently waves her hospital ID badge in security's face when they ask for it. She was right. They didn't have time for that. And seeing Elizabeth come home, staring into space and uttering her not particularly when her mom asked if she wanted to talk about it was pure gold. I think I just liked the British accent on that line, really. I also thought that all the interactions between Lucy and Elizabeth were well done. I don't recall that they had a ton of scenes or interactions together, but Elizabeth was very sweet to her, wanting to be honest with her and help. One of, the, one of those episodes that will always stand out in a series history, sad Lucy's time was cut short, but it's been much publicized about why the actress left the show, so obviously I respect that. Oh, all right. Uh, Katie, I should point out that Heather is a writer, so that might, that might have something to do with that. Uh... So, yeah. Uh, Katie B. Uh, Ugh. This episode really pulls on the heartstrings. Carrie finding them and her reaction. Benton running down those stairs to save Carter really truly shows how far their relationship has come. Lucy's face and her mouthing P.E. to Elizabeth just breaks me. I love that you see that Romano truly cared about her and really was affected by her passing. I love the scenes of everyone at the diner reminiscing and telling stories. Such incredible acting from everyone in the episode. Gen T says, I remember watching this episode in the original run like it was yesterday. Lucy mouthing P.E. to Elizabeth and then closing her eyes in resignation will forever break my heart. Benton's panic over Carter. Luca being the one to stabilize Carter for surgery. Saving his life, essentially, but Carter always forgets that part when he goes full asshat on Luca next season. Jen, you never disappoint. (laughs) Uh, Carrie's reaction Abby finding the knife, Mark and Elizabeth arriving to the chaos after what had been after what had just been a great night. Just ugh, all of it is just so good. Megan M says, "Oh boy, this was such a memorable episode. Ridiculously great acting all around here, especially Kelly Martin and Paul McCrane. That instrument tray flip after realizing Lucy was gone and that moment of denial. So good." I'm a, quote, real-life ER doctor, and it wasn't until I was a resident myself a few years back and rewatched the episode that I really understood how much Lucy's death would have affected Carter, her supervising resident, and any attending who was working that day. Lucy was in over her head with that patient, not her fault, and so many red flags were missed, also not her fault. It's never up to the medical student to ensure that a patient is properly managed. I can't imagine the guilt that I would experience if something like that ever happened to a learner who was working with me. Anyway, on a lighter note, if we could stop having Mark sing, that would be great. Way to ruin a Billy Joel classic. Lydia M., this was my first episode of ER ever. 
Nice timing. Like, holy shit. Way to pick a first episode to tune in on. Uh, the whiplash on Romano was bonkers. The whiplash on the whole show was bonkers. I didn't know television could be like this. I remember being at my BFF's house. I would have been about 15. We were sitting on green bean bags. She loved ER, and I had never seen it. My enduring love for Carrie has a lot to do with my introduction to her with only this episode for context. I have a lot of other thoughts, most of which are covered by everyone else's comments. It was a lifetime ago. Feels like a lifetime ago. They repeated ER when I was in year 12, the final year of high school here in Australia, on daytime TV, when I, which I recorded, so it took me another two years to see Be Still My Heart. It's wild how different watching TV was 22 years ago. That is an amazing story. I love that. Uh, question. Do you think uh, why our generation's backs are also fucked up at 30 is because we all grew up <laughs> sitting in beanbag chairs? It's all, it all goes back to beanbag chairs. Franner W. says, I will never not cry at this episode. Samantha Sabricki, poor pregnant Samantha. She is in denial that her Paul could do this and is struggling to accept it. The staff, in their grief and horror, treat her almost like she wielded the knife herself. The scrubbing in scene with Peter, Elizabeth, and Donald. Oh my god, the tension. Lucy knows. She knows what is happening and that is heartbreaking. The noise of the machines in the operating theater is so deafening. Carrie coming to help Romano at the end is a short scene, but wonderfully done. The nurses can do that. I know. What makes this such a good episode is all those tiny little bits of greatness. From Carrie being generally pissy with everyone at the very beginning to her I know at the end. Chef's kiss. Bliss S says, This episode is so iconic for so many reasons. It is like love's labor lost in that you start with hope and then quickly plunge into a downward spiral you can't escape from. Although it was devastating to lose Lucy, for dramatic purposes, if she had lived, this storyline would not have had the same impact. The fact that she was such an innocent girl-next-door medical student makes it unfathomable and causes it to stick with you years later. Carrie, Benton, Romano, Green, and Corday all broke my heart. The choice to have Corday be the one to communicate with Lucy was excellent. She has a calming effect, but also cannot lie to Lucy and is honest with her, which clues the audience into how dire the situation is. It is hands down my favorite Romano episode. His reaction when Lucy dies, telling Corday to charge again, and then flipping the table showed his humanity more than any other moment on the show. These are characters who see death every day, but it is not the same when it is one of their own. The shifting blame throughout this episode about who was supposed to supervise, why wasn't he in restraints, etc. was all true, but you can see how this would have been missed. Paul's wife's denial is realistic, and then her realization when he, when he is interviewed at the end when he is interviewed is chilling. Be Still My Heart will always be the most shocking moment of live television for me, but this episode will forever be my favorite episode of the series. We've made it into Twitter. We're doing great. <laughs> At Lia1989 says, raise your hand if this episode broke you. A giant among episodes. Appointment TV. I vividly recall watching as a kid, live as it aired with my mom back in 2000. Thanks for letting me stay up late on Thursdays, mom. The seven days between Be Still My Heart and that night were torturous. The understated moments take this to top-tier level, from Abby's voice shaking when she finds the knife to Carrie losing her lunch, Romano and Elizabeth quietly discussing how to proceed, Mark given only a moment to catch his breath before having to carry on to the next trauma, Malucci, who couldn't bear to watch, turning away when they cracked Lucy's chest, Chuni delivering with such enormous and crushing weight that single word, Lucy, in that revealing tone to everyone waiting at Doc Magoo's, too broken and shaken and too and too tired to go home after their shifts. 
I'm filling in a word there because there's a word missing. Uh, the way no one else says anything in that moment as they sit and let it sink in. The restraint is so effective. A scene so void yet so extremely full. What a punch to the gut. I like that phrasing. That is wonderful. Uh, contrast that and compile it with Benton's urgency running down the stairs and blasting into trauma two, looking for Carter and Romano tossing, looking for Carter and Romano tossing that tray. I could go on. In the end, you have a beast amongst TV moments. I will conclude my already too long post by saying what a home run of an effort from every single cast member who all repeatedly hit the ball out of the park. What a total masterclass of an ensemble performance. That's how you do it. Period. If one was leaving the show, bowing out in All in the Family, an episode people still remember and talk about decades later is a hell of a way to do it. So long, Lucy Knight. You were so missed. At Basic Mall says, oh boy, here we go. To start off, as a Billy Joel fan who lives in the cult of his that is Long Island, as much as I, as much as I love Green Day, the ship, not the band, I have to criticize Mark and Lizzie for getting the words to Piano Man wrong. It's Bill, I believe this is killing me. Not Bill, this place is killing me. Get the fucking words right, Mark. How the fuck do you not know them? <sighs> Molly, I knew you were all right. The kids are all right. I'm so glad teenagers still like Billy Joel. This makes me so happy. <clears throat> now that I'm off my soapbox, this episode is absolutely heartbreaking. The fight to save Lucy especially. The scenes between her, Elizabeth, and Romano are some of the best and most heartbreaking in the episode. Everyone is on their A-game. Benton with Carter especially. And the, is he conscious? I will never not cry when Lucy dies and the reaction from Romano. It absolutely hurts every time, but everything is so well done. 10 out of 10 destroyed my mental health, but in a beautiful, heartbreaking way. I'm going to go cry now. All right, everybody. And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, uh, here we are. There are very few perfect hours of television, but All in the Family is certainly one of them. The frantic effort to save Carter and Lucy brings out the very best in everyone in a tragic sort of harmony that is equal parts beautiful and soul-crushing to watch. Everything works in this episode, from the ominous music that simmers in the background before Carrie makes the grisly discovery, Carrie's blood-curdling gasp, the comedic piano bar scene that's interrupted by the simultaneous pages, Peter's sprint through the hallway and his asking whether Carter is conscious, the detailed and gory shots of Lucy's trauma intervention, the bone saw. Oh, the bone saw. The scenes pacing, the image of Luca, Carrie, and Mark waiting in front of the elevator, Carrie's puking. By the time we're at the second commercial break, you're drenched in tears and sweat, coming up briefly for air before you're submerged once again. The quiet moments in the OR washroom contrast beautifully with the chaos that awaits outside of them. The look of shock and denial on Sabriki's wife's face, Carrie's horror when they find Sabriki. Oh my God, give me all of this injected intravenously. I mean, I know I'm rambling, but can you blame me? This shit is incredible. And the scene between Corday and Lucy, and when you learn they had to do multiple takes because Alex Kingston was sobbing in real life, my goodness, it's just overwhelming. And finally, the moment where Romano's gruff and often detestable exterior melts away, first as the Steadicam masterfully captures he, Lizzie, and Kit's eyes as they desperately try to revive Lucy, and then in the scene that leaves me bawling when he refuses to believe she's dead and barks at Lizzie to let's go. And finally, when he can barely whisper for Elizabeth to call time of death. 
I'm currently in a puddle and can only say kudos to every single cast member and a big middle finger to the primetime Emmys. Yeah, the West Wing is dope, but how bad do you look in hindsight giving the pilot the Emmy over all in the family? What a ride. I hope everyone is all right. 22 years later, I'm not. Do you mind if I just omit the the plugs? That's fine. The, <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. unplugging anything after yeah. all of that. Holy shit. All right, so we're going to wrap up the episode here, not in our normal fashion, but just we want to get out of here. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll find a whole bunch of goodies there. Uh, we all do other things, but you can find those on other episodes. We're out. <laughs> uh.